Welcome everyone to tonight's Ove Torah slash Haralebaron Daf Yomi Shiur. Tonight's Shiur is Daf Tzadivav. We, however, are beginning at the Mishnah on the bottom of Tzadi He Amuralf. Says the Mishnah, Hatolesh Meatzitz Nakuv Chaya Vesheenu Nakuv Patur. Rabbi Shimon Poter Beze Ubeze. We are talking here about flower pots, and of course, there is a Yisur on Shabbat of Tolesh. Tolesh means when a person detaches something from person detaches something from the ground. That is called tolesh. So if you have a tree that's growing in the ground and a person chops down the tree, that is tolesh. Of course, if a person pulls a flower out of the floor, that's tolesh as well. Now, what happens if you have a flower that's growing in a flower pot? So a person could say, well, this flower pot is not really in the ground. After all, it's got its own dirt, and it's got clay underneath it that's separating it from the ground. So, if a person has a flower pot that has on the bottom nakuv, nakuv means it has a hole in the bottom, that many often, often the flower pots do have drainage holes on the bottoms. If it has a hole in the bottom, then your chayav, if you cut the flower and the flower pot off. Why? Because being that it has a hole in the bottom, we look at it as if it's connected to the ground, and connected to the ground means you're cutting a flower from the ground and your chayav. But if it's undrained, patur, then of course you're not allowed to cut it, but your patur avalasur. Reish lakish poter Reish lakish, I'm sorry, Rabbi Shimon is poter in both cases. Even in a case where there's a hole, he still says that since it's in a pot and it's not grown from the ground, you're not chayav patolesh, which is a chidush. Rami le'abaya le'rava. Abaya asked Rava a question. Some say Rukhiya Rava asked Rava the following question. Tanan, we learned in a different Mishnah, this Mishnah that we're going to quote over here is a Mishnah discussing also a flower pot without a hole. And we learned in the Mishnah, and it sounds like this is your patur in either case. It sounds like that Rabbi Shimon holds that a flower pot with a hole in it is the same thing as a flower pot without a hole in it. It makes no difference. Either way, it's a flower pot and it's not growing in the ground. And he holds that the hold is not significant. As to Gemara, if so, I'll show you a contradiction of a statement by Shimon in another place where it sounds like the hold does make a difference. It says in another bright, there's no difference between a drainage hole pot and a pot without a drainage hole. The only difference is, is regarding whether you want to make seeds, get tuma, which means as follows. A person who grows, a person who has something growing in the ground, being that it's attached to the ground, it cannot get tuma. However, once it's detached from the ground, then if it gets wet, it can now get tameh. So if a person has it, let's say in a regular case, you have an apple tree, uh, 
and on, there's an apple growing on the apple tree. Let's say a person, uh, uh, a zav, will touch one of the apples, and apple's not tamer. Why? Because since it's attached to the ground, it's not if someone plucks the apple, it still can't get tamer because water hasn't fallen on it. Once water falls on it, then it can get tamer. That's the word hukshar. Now, we're saying that when it comes to a flower pot with a hole, without a hole, they're both the same, except for one thing, that a flower pot with a hole, if water falls on something growing, let's say you have a fruit growing on the flower pot, or a tomato growing in the flower pot. So if the flower pot has a hole in it, so then we'll say, if you, then we'll say that it does not get tamer because it's attached to the ground through the hole. And if the flower pot has no hole, then we'll say it's already detached from the ground and now it can get tamer because the flower pot without a hole is like it's detached from the ground. So we see that Rabbi Shimon, who's the author of this thing, does differentiate between flower pots with and without holes. Answer the Gemara. So Abaya or Rab answered the question. For everything, Rabbi Shimon, he says it's like it's, like it's detached. When it comes to Tumah, it's different. Since the Torah said, add the word Tahara, add an extra word Tahara by seeds, or in that case, we're a little extra strict. And we say that it's different. Right? In other words, So when you have a, a pot where there is no no hole in it, so if there's no hole in it, then we'll say it's detached from the ground. But since the Torah adds extra tawra, extra stringencies, it has to be fully detached from the ground in order to get tamer. But otherwise, it doesn't get tamer. Says Gemara, There was an old man who asked Rezera the following question: Shorish beged. Okay, which means, let's say, I understand Rabbi Shimon says that with a hole, it's fine. It's not, even with a hole, it's not considered like it's, like it's attached to the ground. But would Rabbi Shimon still say that? If let's say the roots that are in the flower pot are aligned with the hole, they're directly above the hole. So technically, if they're, if they're not directly above the hole, you could say, oh, the roots are not drawing nutrients from the ground. But if the roots are directly aligned from the hole, let's say I have a carrot, and the carrot is directly above the hole in the bottom of the flower pot. So just like the carrot next to it is in dirt that's over dirt, so too this is in dirt that's over dirt because there's a hole right under it. Would Rabbi Shimon say, even in that case, this old man is asking, would he say, even in that case, that you say that it's considered not attached to the ground, or would you admit that in this case it's considered attached to the ground? Says the Gemara, and would we admit that it's, uh, it's chayav if you clip it in this face? Ishtik, Rosary didn't want to answer the question. He didn't answer anything. I saw Rosary sitting and saying a different law about Rabbi Shimon. 
said, Umodeh Rabbi Shimon, Shimnike, Vechnetarato. Rabbi Shimon agrees that if there was a hole in the flower pot, the size that would make the flower pot tahor, which means enough that because it's a broken flower pot, then Rabbi Shimon admits that if you plant in that, it's like you're planting in the ground, and if you pluck it, you'll be chayav on Shabbat. So Amalei said, the old man told him, I asked you before about the carrot that's opposite the hole. But you didn't give me any answer. And yet, so then how can you how can you answer this question? Which means, how come you didn't answer my question? You 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 went on and you answered this, but you didn't give me any answer. What they're trying to say here is that his question was, what happens if the carrot is directly aligned? You don't want to answer my question about directly aligned, and you're willing to answer this question. Of, you're willing to say on your own that Rabbi Shimon would say that if you have a flower pot that has a hole that's big enough to make it tahor, that the whole flower pot is like nothing. That means that even something that's not directly above, you're going to allow. So in my case, the carrot directly above, you're not going to say Rabbi Shimon would allow in that case. So Abaya answers for the Bizera. If Rabbi Zera said something, this is what he must have said. He agrees that the hole is below the Rivi'i level, which means if it's a, the, the hole is on the side, let's say, of the pot, not necessarily on the floor of the pot, but on the side of the pot, and it's below the level that the, the remainder of the pot under it can hold a Rivi'i, which means that, that, the, that underneath the hole, there's space to hold half of the eat, but not a hold of the eat of water. In that case, he agrees that it's considered attached to the ground. Good. So what he's answering now is that no, the Bishimon is not really there is saying that the Bishimon is not really allowing anything. He's only allowing when the hole is slow enough that it, lo- that it breaks into the eat of the keli. But he's not sure. He wouldn't be sure necessarily in a, that a hole because at that point it's not it's not a keli at all. But having a hole right opposite is not necessarily a proof. Okay. Says on further. Amaraba, chamesh midot There's three types of rules. When you could say a klichelis becomes tahor. Again, a whole keli is never tahor. It's tameh. Tameh doesn't mean it's actual tameh, but a whole keli can, is susceptible, can be tameh. Then there's a level where you get different levels of cracks, where the crack could be a little small, bigger, a little bigger, a little bigger, a little bigger, and each time it will make the keli impervious to a different type of tumah. Impervious means that it's impenetrable, no tumah can enter it. So, Depending on the smallness of the crack, the more tumah that can attach to it. The bigger the crack is, the less tumah could handle. The less tumah could go on this. So here are the five things. Number one, if you have a keli that has a hole large enough that water could drip out of it, but not, not large enough that water could drip into it, which means the following. 
you could have a keli that has a leak, right? For example, let's say you have a um, a tiny hole in the bottom of your plastic cup. So eventually, all the water will drip out of your plastic cup. But if you take that plastic cup and submerge it halfway into the water, water is not going to go in because it's too small for water to go in. That's called that type of thing is motzi mashka. Water could come out of it. So if you have a hole that's that small in a keli, tahor gistra. It's tahor for a gistra, which means if you have a, a shard of keli, which is big enough to be a keli, but if it has this hole in it, then it'll be tahor. Okay? That is the rule. The adayin keli will kadesh mechadat, but it's still considered a keli if you want to use it for the blood of the paraduma, then for the, or for the water of the paraduma, then it's fine. So, you, of course, the, if you look by the water, by the paraduma, it says you have to put something ma'im chayim el keli. You have to put ma'im into a keli. So it has to be into an actual keli. Now, what size does that have to be? So the keli can't have a hole in it in order to be a keli. But if it, if you have a broken keli and that broken piece has a hole big enough that water could drip out of it, that is not a, that ke, that broken piece is not called a keli. But if you have a broken piece which has a hole in it and water can't drip out of it, that's not called a hole, and that broken piece is still fine. Let's say you made a hole in it which is bigger than the hole before of of water dripping out. This is a big enough hole for water to go in. Then, then you can't use it for the paraduma waters. But it's still considered keli in order to make any seeds that grow in grow in it. Because we said that, let's say, for example, you have a pot, a flower pot, and the bottom of the flower pot there is a hole. And the hole is big enough that water could get back in. Once it's big enough for water to get back into the pot, if you, let's say, took that flower pot and put it into water, water would go in. Then we say over here also that it's tahor in our deen as well. Let's say it had a hole the size of a small root. Then it's not Considered a keli regarding our rule that we just addressed, and which is whether or not, whether or not a fruit that is or a vegetable that's grown in that flower pot has the isur of cutting it on Shabbat. No, sir, has the isur, has the ability to become tameh if it gets wet. And we're saying that it does have the ability to get tameh when it gets wet in this case. But now that it has a crack, like the size of a small root, and it cannot do that anymore. But but it still could get tamer in general because it's big enough to hold olives, and therefore, as long as it doesn't have a hole the size of an olive, it's going to be fine. Okay, so it's a, so the smallest shiur let's review is water going in going into the keli. The second smallest is water no smallest shear is water dripping out of the keli. The second smallest is water going into the keli. The third shear is, is, is to have a hole the size of a kazayat to go out of. That's what we just mentioned now. And what do we have? The cave here. It has a hole big enough that olives can go out of the hole. 
It's tahor in general for the tumah about holding olives. But still going to please the means in order to hold the money. Good. Now, if it has a hole the size that olives can go out of it, then you can't, which means, yes, it's generally, it's tahor. We say it's tahor, but if the guy says, you know what, I'm not using this, this thing for water or for olives, I'm now going to use it because it has a big hole, I'll use it for pomegranates, which are larger, and they won't go pull out of the hole. Then it can still be tamer. You can make it that it can still get tamer if it goes in oil and met. If you change it mentally to the size to a pomegranate holder. Once you have a hole in the vessel big enough for a pomegranate to pull out of, then no matter what, it's totally tahor, it can't get tamer. What happened <coughs> if there was a sealed cover on it? Then it has to be most of the, of the thing broken half. So therefore, we're telling you now, that even though it has a hole the size of a pomegranate, but as long as it has a sealed cover, no tuma would get in, unless most of the vessel broke off, then the tuma could get in. Amr Asi, Shemati Kemotinimon. I heard once that the the size of a klicheres to have to be able to become tahor is that it has to have a whole size of a pomegranate. Maybe what you heard is by tzmid patil, meaning only when it's yet sealed it has to have a pomegranate, but otherwise not. Rabba say that only tzmid patil needs needs achiv Before he said that when it's tzmid patil, when it has a sealed cover, it has to be mostly broken off. How could he over here? He's implying that if it doesn't have a sealed cover, then it could get Tamer. Even before Rubo, even if not most is broken, only the size of the pomegranate. Says it's not a kasha, it's not a question. One's by a big one. When Rabbi said that you have a sealed cover, you need to have the majority broken. That's if it's a huge keli, right? And we said a, a pomegranate one, that's for a small one. Now we're going to talk about holes in, in keli. We learned in the right time. If you have a kli made out of cheres, the size is that water gets into it. We only said the higher level of water getting out of it, which is a small size, and that's only regarding a broken piece. So if you have a broken piece, as I said before, if you have a broken piece, let's say you have a spoon, which is, a, if it's a full spoon, then, or a ladle, you have a, let's say you have a ladle. So if you have a full ladle, and it has a little hole in it. So if water drips out of it, it doesn't mean it's broken. It's not called broken. So what there's a hole in your ladle? Who cares? After all, it's still fine. Okay? But, and it could still get time in. But if the hole is big enough, we said, 
where the hole not only can let water drip out of it, but also let water in, then we'll say that the ladle is tamer, the tower. Ah, but let's say the ladle was cracked and the handle cracked off. So now it's a broken kelly. So broken kelly still has use. You can stick your hand into the, the spoon part of the, of the ladle and use it. Now, if a broken piece has a hole big enough for water to leak out of it, which is a smaller hole than water to go in it, in that case, we say the broken piece is tahor. Why should it be a different rule if the ladle was cracked or not cracked? Who cares if the ladle is cracked or not? It should always be the same rule. Either you should let it be the smallest shiur of water going into it, or it could be the biggest shiur of water going out of it. I don't know. I'll tell you why. Because no one says, bring a gistra for my gistra. No one says, bring a shard for a shard, which means as follows. Let's say a guy is, has a ladle and he wants to use a certain ladle to, let's say, to scoop out soup. So if the ladle has a leak, he might say, you know what? Bring me that broken ladle and I'll hold it under my ladle to catch the drip. So people do that for a ladle that's intact. But no one says, bring me a broken ladle for my broken ladle. Because once the ladle is broken, call us, you throw it in the garbage. You don't, get, you don't just try to save it and put another piece of a ladle under it to be able to use it. Once it's broken once, it's broken twice, you will throw it out. And that's why. What's this and what's this? Why is that the same thing? Because well, everything's connected. The guy explained to you, every big bone over here is connected over here. So when you move this way. There you go. There you go, Amar. Yeah. Okay. Good. Fine. Okay. You know what? I'll stop it here and I'll take over later. Amar Ula. Ula says, Kli'i batre amorabim amarava. There is a machloka between two amoraim in the east. Abiyosi barabim, Abiyosi barzabda. Chad Amar, one says that the size that you the size of an item that you have to open, in other words, the size of a hole that has to be in the keli in order for bitahor, is this kemotzei limon. V'chad amar kesholish katan. Other one says no, it's kesholish katan. V'simanacha, and the way to remember which rabbi says which is as follows. Echad hamarbeh ve'echad hamarbeh v'vachi yechaven libol l'shamayim. Uh, this is a famous term that the Gemara says that whether you do a little or whether you do a lot. So here we're telling you, marbe means the biggest shiur is rimon. That's the biggest shiur. That's the smallest shiur of the normal shiurim, and therefore we skip the middle shiur. And therefore I showed you 
that the two rabbis who are arguing are not arguing on positions that are close to each other, but rather uh, one is Kamot Rimon and the other one is Kishor Shkatan, which is the smaller shiur. Amar Chanina Bar Kahana Meshmed Rabbi Lazar. Kli Heres, if you have a earthenware keli made out of pottery, shiuro kimotzezetim, the size that makes it tahor is if olives can come out of it. Once olives fall out of it, we say that it is tahor and it can't get tamim. Morkshisha Bredirava, Misayim Bab Meshmem Rabbiliezer, Morkshisha, the son of Rabbat, said the name Rabbiliezer, Varen Kichliglaim. Once it has the size of Motzezetim, it's completely tahor, just like a keli made out of the following equipment that completely never gets tameh, which are dung, kleavanim, stone, adama, dirt that has not been fired in a in a dirt that has not been fired in an oven like clay. She'em becoming Once it has, and according to these rabbis, Rashi explains. According to these rabbis, even in the case where the guy has a keli which lets out olives, and he says to himself, you know something, if this thing isn't good for olives, I might as well put pomegranates in it. And of course it's good for pomegranates because a pomegranate can't fall out of an olive-sized hole. Even if he does that, still it is tahor, according to these rabbis. That's a more lenient opinion. Okay? Uh, but if it has a sealed lid on top, then it's still Tameh, unless it's, most of it is cracked, and then it's Tahor. This is the end, we will come back, Okay, we are now starting, says the Mishnah, if a person throws from private property to public property, or if a person throws or from public property to private property. Chayav. In either of these cases, you are chayav. If you're throwing from private to private property, and you have a in the middle, then what's the law? Rabbi Akiva says you're chayav. What's the case? If you have two porches, one opposite the other, for example, one porch on one side of Ocean Parkway and the other porch on the other side of Ocean Parkway. If you pass something over it by handing it over, or throwing it over, if the two of them are on one side of Ocean Park. We have two porches from two different houses on one side of Ocean Park, right? Assuming there's, an, there's a, a public property going through in, be, in the alleyway in between the houses. Hamoshit Chayav. In that case, when you... Moshit, you hand it over from one porch to the next porch. Chayav, you bring a korban to Metkash. Vazorek, but if you throw it over the alleyway, shoot at a beam. Through, if you throw it from porch to porch over the alleyway that's in Shutarabim, then you're patur so you're only patur but not a so because you didn't hand it. Why would it be different if you hand it or if you throw it? Really, throwing and handing it should be the same thing. Because that's how they used to serve in the Beit HaMikdash. They used to have two wagons, one behind the other. 
אחד זו ברשות רבים, מושטים הקדשים בזו לזו, אבל לא זורקים. They would, when they had these קדשים, these long tall poles that made up the משכן, they wouldn't throw them, they were too big to throw, they would hand them over, and therefore, handing, you'd be chayav, but throwing from one to the other, you'd be patur. Let's turn the page to Daf Sadivav Amur Bet. Says the Gemara, Mechti, let's examine this. Zirika tolda dehotza'ahi. Throwing something is a tolda, a secondary action, dehotza'ah, of the av melachav hotza'ah. Hotza'ah gufa hechaktiva. The Gemara wants to know, where do we ever see that um, carrying hotza'ah from one p- property to the next is asur on Shabbat? Where do we see that written in the Torah anywhere? Till here we thought maybe it was Alakalam or Shemisinai. But now we want to know how do you see anywhere that it's written in the Torah? Because usually anything that has to have a Toldah has to be written in the Torah cannot be Alakalam or Shemisinai. Where do we see the carrying, which is a Malacha Giru'ah? Right? Says the Gemara, the Amarkra, Vaitzav Moshe, Vayaviru Kolb Mahane. It says that when they finished collecting for the Mishkan, it says that Moshe made a command and they sent a uh, call around the Machan and they sent a, a voice around the camp saying no one should bring any more donations to the Mishkan. Now, Moshe Hechen Haiti, where was Moshe? Moshe was in the Machan where he where he lived. And we know that the Machan was Rishut Rabin. Okay? It was public property. The Kamar, and we said, Don't carry anything from your tent, like a donation from your tent, to, to Rishut Rabin. So you see that it's a sword to carry from Rishut Yachid to Rishut Rabin. From the fact that Moshe made that call out. Who said Moshe made it on Shabbat? Maybe he said it on, during the weekday. He only said it to stop bringing donations. His point was stopping donations. So what's the point? Who told you that this is teaching you? This pasuk is going to be a source to tell you you can't carry on Shabbat? Who needs that? That's not, that's not what it's talking about. The pasuk says that they already had enough donations. We learn the word uh, passing, passing. Havara means sounding. Sounding, sounding from Yom Kippur. Ktiv HaKad says over here by Moshe when he made the announcement, Vayaviru kol machane, and they passed a voice in the, in the camp saying, don't bring any more donations. Ktiv HaKad says by Yom Kippur, Vavarta shofar teruah, it says that they will pass a shofar teruah on Yom Kippur. Right? Ma'alam Yom Masur, just like a, but that, that shofar blessing Yom Kippur is referring to Yovel. Okay. Just like when it refers to Yom, to Yom Kippur, it was talking about a day where Yinala do Malacha, Afkan, Yom Masur. Obviously, here also, it was day Yinala do Malacha, and therefore must be Moshe said it on Shabbat, and therefore we can learn that, that there's a hint to the fact that Yinala do carry on Shabbat. Says, we only learn by Hotza'ah, by carrying. How do we know that you're carrying in? Is a problem because 
Moshe said, don't carry out from your tents to public property. But how do we know that carrying from public property to a tent or to a house, how do you know that's a suit? Moshe says, that's logical. It's going from one, one reshut to the next reshut. Why should be a difference if I take it out or take it in? However, carrying out from a house to a public property is an av melacha. Whereas if you carry in from a private, sorry, hachnasa, um, having from a public to a private, that's only a tolda. Now, what is the difference between av and tolda? Umechti. Whether it's an av or toda, either way, you have to bring a korban to the Beit Hamikdash. So, what's the reason why we differentiate between an av and a toda if both of them have to bring a korban? Says the Gemara, a few different possible answers. First answer: This is a very, very important question <coughs> because it's going to come up all the time. The Gemara will always talk about av and toldot. What's the difference if both of them are asur from the Torah? Both of them bring a korban. Who cares if it's an avot or One nafkimina. The e avich te avot yadadi. If a person does two different avot melachot together, inamish te toldot pahad yadadi or two toldot together, mechayev tati chayav for both of them. The avid av vitoldadi de no mechayav elachada. But if you do an av and its own tolda, then you only chayav one. So if a person does for example, carrying out, and then carrying in, in the same forgetting, since he did the av and the told, you only have one. According to the Be'eliezer, he says that if the person does an av and a told together, in one forgetting, you have two separate korbanot. So according to him, what's the reason why they call it av and a told? Anything that was chashuv in the Mishkan, it was an important job to do in the Mishkan, they called it an av. Anything that was not so chashuv in the Mishkan, they don't call it an av. Basically, whatever was important in the Mishkan. Inami, one that's written in the Torah, which is carrying out of the house, we call that av. Otherwise, it's called a tolda. So, according to this, we're telling you that there's no halachic difference between the av and the tolda. We're just it's just a point of reference of which one was either chashuv in the Torah or which one was mentioned in the Torah. Now, the Gemara says, If you throw four amot against the wall. And it lands. It lands above ten tvachim off the ground. It's like it threw it in the air. If you threw it below ten tvachim, it's like you threw it on the ground. If you throw it on the floor, how do you know that you're throwing four amot? Because so far we only spoke about carrying from one transferring from one reshut to the next and then mention anything about four amot now we have there's also another halakha that we see from this mishnah that when you throw something four amot in public property even though you didn't transfer the shiot you still chayav where'd that come from so far we have no source for that you want to know how we know how do we know it's chayav 
אבל רבי יושיע, שכן אוריגי יריעות זולקים מחטטים זו לזו. Because the people who weave the curtains have to throw the shuttles to each other. Which means, uh, when a person's weaving, and you, wo- you wove the thread through the, up and down through the whole cloth, then you have the guy who's on the other side, and you throw it to him, and he catches it. And therefore, that's how we know that you are chayav for carrying four amot. So we're saying that the orgeyot, the guys who are weaving the things, are throwing machtehem. I'm sorry, throwing their needles to each other. Says the Gemara, orgin mechatin lamali. Why do? Why would someone who weaves it use a needle? Weavers use a loom and a shuttle. They don't use needles. Rather, not the the weavers, but the sewers of the curtains. Not the guy who's making the curtains. The guy who's sewing on the curtains would throw the needles to each other. Who told you that they were four or more away from each other? Maybe they were right next to each other. No, the Mar says they can't be right next to each other. Matu Hadadi Mahtin. If if so, they would pick they would hit each other with the needles. Too dangerous to sit next to each other. Says the Gmara, Dilma Bitok Albaamotaviati. Maybe they were sitting within the four amot of each other. And Amar Bhasta Rukhasta says different. Can't be that we learn from there. She can orgeyot, the guys who weave, Zorkin Bukhyad. They would throw the shuttle across the curtain, like I was saying in the beginning. When you, while you're weaving, you're putting the thread in between the. You're putting the cross thread in between the threads that are going perpendicularly, and you move them all, and you throw it in between. And as you're throwing it, throwing it for a mot. But isn't he still holding it in his hand a little after he throws it? Which means the Gemara wants to know when the guy throws the shuttle to the other guy across the, the loom, he's still holding the thread in his hand. He's he wants he's not just throwing it's not like he's throwing a ball and he has nothing in his hand afterwards. He's throwing a shuttle attached to a thread. And therefore, since he's still holding the thread, it's not like he threw it. How could you learn Zidika throwing from such a case if he's still holding the thread? Says the Gemara. We're talking about the last throw. In the last throw, he doesn't hold anything, and therefore that's why, that's why you chayav. Says the Gemara, that's not a case of going through a Rishut because you're going through a Makom Petur in that case. Why? Because in between the threads is not a place where anyone walks, and therefore it's not a public property. How could you learn carrying four more in a public property from throwing a... Sh- a shuttle across a, a loom where you're in private property. Says, Rather, the thing is that they would throw the extra one if they have an extra shuttle, they would throw it to someone who wants to borrow it to use on another loom while they're doing this one. So a loom is a weaver's thing that they use to throw the shuttle. So let's say a guy in one loom doesn't have a shuttle. Say, hey, can I borrow your shuttle? Yeah, and he chucks it him for a moment. Same question. Who told you that he threw them? Maybe they were close to each other, so they just hand it over. They can't sit next to each other because when people are weaving, they need a lot of room, and therefore, therefore they, wouldn't, they wouldn't interfere with each other's uh, work. Dilma shluchi have a Maybe they step 
they, they, they sat next to each other, but they were in a staggered area, so they could just hand it over, because they wouldn't have to throw it for Amot. Why did they have to borrow from each other? Didn't Luda say in the Brayta, each person was doing his own work. Everyone was doing his own work. No one's doing work with his friends. Everyone has their own tools. Why would they have to borrow a shuttle? With two, another question. Who told you there has to be uh, throwing for Amot? How would you know if you carry for Amot, Yechayav? That's only for throwing. Rather, the Gemara says, must be moving for Amot in Rashut Arabim. Gemara Gemirla is only a and there is no precedent in the Mishkan for throwing a baramot to Rabim. We know because Moshe Rabbeinu told us, otherwise we would not know. Baruch Adonai Amen ve'amen.